Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Uh, all right, we've arrived at the last um, week of our summer series that we've been going through, and this is a, a good thing and a bad thing, right? This is a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is um, we have worked our way through a whole letter of the Bible written by Paul, and it's fun for me to talk to people who say this isn't something that they always do, and to go from beginning to end um, is, is quite an accomplishment. It's, it's what we try to do even with the C. Philak books that we write, is work people through Scripture in a, in a whole, complete kind of way. And so that's the good thing, and it's been fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. Now, the bad thing is, when I say we're at the end of our summer series, that means we're at the end of our summer, right? And so that's kind of the bad thing, but here we are, and we deal with what life brings. But, but Bill announced it, but can I just touch on next week again? Can I touch on this real quick? This is a big deal. For, for years now, we've been doing the Back to School Blessing Sunday. Like, we really believe that we're sending people in the schools, um, whether you're going to school or you work in the school system, it's a mission field every day. And so whether students or adults, we pray over, we cover, we intercede on behalf. We just, we pray for, because we don't know what this year is going to bring, this school year. But we do know that whatever it brings, we don't walk in that alone. And so it's a reminder to us how we do this. So, I've, so I only have like a couple requests. One is I want you to be here for it, because I want to be part of praying over people. But two, um, I really would like you to, just one person, Call them, invite them, and say, hey, this is the Sunday to come to One Hope because we want to invest in people's lives in a spiritual way, and this is one way we can do it. So will you think, will you really put some thought into it of who could I invite to be part of a service that is this special? And then with the baptisms, you know, I'm always excited about that. So if you have been thinking about that, maybe this is the time where it's like you're doing what scripture tells us to do is to share that testimony of what God has done in your life and so I am looking forward to next week but, um, but back to this week we're, we're in Philippians we're in week 8 so that means we've arrived at chapter 4 okay this is actually a very um, personal one for me this one I'm going to talk about today I think is a battle each and every day of my life. And I believe it's a battle for many other people. And, and these words are given, I think, from Paul because this can be a major destructive place in our lives. But many times it goes under the radar, it goes undetected, or it's something we don't want to deal with because when this truth plants a seed and grows inside of us, it will change how we go about or think about um, life. Now, I'll also tell you, one of the things I wrestled with this week is, I don't think this one message does this portion justice. I mean, they probably never, any of them ever do, but the one thing I wrestled with was, how do I get all the thoughts I have about this topic into one message? And I I mean, it's about Wednesday, Thursday. I just dealt with the reality. Scott, you're not. So my prayer has been, Holy Spirit, will you speak to people where they need to hear it for their story today? 
I could pray this every week. But I think God wants to speak to you specifically. This is the beautiful thing about God, that we can be together in the room, but he speaks specifically to you if you allow him. Give that open door. So that's where we are. So like I said, we're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse 10 through 23. So if you've got your Bibles, you've got your phones. If you're in the room, don't have a Bible, own a Bible. There's always ones in the seat. If you're online today, um, hopefully you'll grab that, or you can follow on the screen. But let's read the last part of this letter to the church in Philippi from Paul. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now stop there for a second. If, if you're here week one, I mean, you know, I, I talked about this letter Paul is writing in response to a guy named Epaphroditus who's coming and bringing um, supplies, he's bringing gifts, he's bringing offering, because Paul is sitting in prison for sharing the message, the gospel of Jesus to that world. And so this is what he's writing in response to. So verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only." For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, have received, uh, that I have received from Epaphroditus, uh, payment uh, more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he gives his closing. Greeting all God's people and greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now let's stop there again. Not the message, but let me just give you a thing here. This is a really cool one line. What does this tell us? Paul sitting in prison, who has put him in prison? Caesar. People in Caesar's house have heard the message of Jesus, and they're now sending greetings to the church, which means they've received the message of Jesus. So this is a, it is a second message, a little one for the day, is God can use any situation we're in for good if we allow it. And many times we get in situations where like, this is the worst. But I've told you in this series, when Jesus wins, we win. When Jesus wins, we also win, and we need to have that mindset. So Paul's sitting in prison. He's not sitting there in a pity party. He's obviously sitting there sharing the message of Jesus, and even people in Caesar's house go, I believe it. Now send our greetings to this church who are supporting you in ministry. And that's a beautiful thing to remember when we walk through those seasons in life. But then he ends the message, ends the letter, and he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We've reached the end.
A couple weeks ago, I started my message by talking about hunger, right? I talked about what would it take for you to be hungry after you've had a meal that has filled you up completely, and I gave you something on my short list, which was banana pudding, right? Like, that's going to make me hungry even after I'm full. Well, can I just tell you, it's an interesting thing. I say I like banana pudding, then I get two things of banana pudding that week, and got me thinking, should I tell you more things that I like? (laughs) No, I like beach houses. Okay, keep going, but... No? No, okay. No, no. Um, he's, I, I talked about hunger and how our hunger in life is sometimes too easily satisfied, right? So that's the message I spoke that week, and I'm not going to teach it again. But I'm wondering, can I use that same thought but actually flip it on its head? Sometimes our hunger, our hunger for more, our hunger for different is actually the opposite of what we need. That our never-ending hunger is what may actually be slow, uh, slowly destroying us from the inside out one day at a time. A simple example of this, and I've shared with this some of you before, in 2007, something came out, something was built, something was, was sold, that I knew I absolutely needed to have. It was the only thing I needed in life. It would change my life. And it did change it some for good, um, maybe some not so good, but if I could just get this one thing, I would be totally satisfied. And those that you know me, you know what this is gonna be. It's the original iPhone. I, I, I grabbed this, it was, it was so small, like it's so weird, but I had this iPhone, and it, to have everything that this iPhone did in 2007, I'm like, this is everything I need, I don't need anything else. Then 2008 came around, and the 3G came, and I begin to look, and I go, 2G? This is junk. I need the 3G. Let's go. So I go to the Apple store and I buy the 3G. And it is goodness in my hand. Like, it is awesome. Everything I need in that moment. And then then 2009 rolls around. And they have the 3GS. Oh, that S. That's got some speed. That's what it, oh my, this phone is so slow. Why do I want this phone? Like, let's, I'm done with it. Give me the 3GS. This is how it went. 2010 came around, then 2011 and 12, all the way to this year, 2023. There's been a new phone that's been offered every year. I'm telling you, this is a battle for me. I've not bought every phone, but I've purchased a lot of phones along the way. This is a battle for me. Like, I like shiny pieces of technology. To the point, picture this, I'm sitting in my office, my office right outside this door, I'm sitting there, and I'm writing this week, and, and I get a notification that somebody sent, somebody sent me a message on Instagram. So I grab my phone, and I look at it. When I grab my phone, an uh, 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 advertisement on Instagram are these earbuds. These earbuds are new, and they've got, like, for some, they've got like lights that shine up on the outside that go with music. I can't even see them, but they're there. Like, and, and I'm looking, I become intrigued, and I'm like, oh, do I need these? Like, I want... I'm writing this message, 
And I literally have to put my phone down and go, Scott, there's literally no need for these in your life. But I like shiny technology. Now, some of you, you may not care about technology. That may not be your thing. You may not be intrigued or fall into the trap of, of Instagram advertisements, but I'd like to think I'm not the only one that needs Paul to speak in our lives because contentment is not natural. Contentment doesn't come easily. And your lack of contentment may have nothing to do with money or things, but your lack of contentment may come from your job and its status, it's not good enough for you. Your lack of contentment may be your looks, and you don't like the way you look right now, and you, your lack of contentment may be in some relationship status that you're in. Your lack of contentment may be something with your kids and, and what's not happening. Your lack of contentment, we all kind of have our fill in the blank of things that we're not content with in life. And, and under the surface... Maybe in a place that you would never share with anyone else. There's this, I will describe it as this monster inside that is always looking, always hungry for more or different. And this monster inside may be one that you acknowledge or you don't acknowledge. It may be something you've never identified in life. But there is this feeling inside of you that you're not sure what it is, but it's, there's a lack of, I, there's something missing, and it never feels like it gets satisfied. And I think for many or most of us, this is dictating a lot of how we think, how we live, how we spend our lives. And then we have Paul writing this letter to us. He's sitting in prison and he's speaking to the church and he's saying to them, hey, I want you to be content. Remember, he's speaking to a church that quite frankly doesn't have a whole lot. But he knows that the struggle for contentment is still there. Like, let's just look at, um, he understands that when they gave to him in his ministry, they gave to him in um, supporting him, they weren't giving out of plenty. These gifts that they were giving so ministry could happen did not come out of abundance, but it comes out of sacrifice, it comes out of obedience. That's why Paul affirms them. You gave like not many people, not many other churches ever gave. And so he says to them, I'm going to remind you, as you kind of settled in and, and you wrestled against this contentment and you gave into it, this is when I think Paul is saying it releases the ability for God to then supply all your needs as well. And so he's writing these people, probably wrestling in with contentment in their own ways, just like us. But just like I said last week, maybe Paul is the perfect person to speak to someone like you. Maybe Paul's the perfect person to speak to me because when we re realize or we remember that Paul is a real person, maybe what we need is someone to speak directly in point blank while sitting in a prison saying, I want you to learn how to be content in life. 
Because maybe contentment is the thing that you and I are missing. Maybe this is the thing that's really causing us under the surface to feel maybe moments of being miserable. Moments of just, what am I missing? Moments of there's got to be more than this because I know people struggle with it. Reading more studies this week on how people research this stuff, and I'm reading that 45% of all people that they talked to said they had not had a true feeling of happiness in the last two years. 88% of these people they talked to said every day they were looking for more things or experiences just so they could feel a sense of happiness. 78% of them said they were willing to pay a premium. They were willing to give whatever they had just so they could feel happiness. And this, quite frankly, as I'm reading this, going, this is really sad. Because the simple truth about life is this. No one has ever accumulated their way into contentment. No one has ever accumulated their way into contentment. And this is something, the hard lesson that people have had to learn over and over and over again. And I'm wondering, as people who call themselves followers of Jesus, if this is something that we should take to heart of what Paul says. Is this something we should really pray about? And I say pray about because I think the vehicle to contentment is not through stuff or experiences. In my own personal life, I feel like the vehicle to that really is through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think if most days people are looking for happiness and they can't find it, and we are people, that contentment is not going to be able to be figured out inside of us. It's not going to be able to be figured out when we accumulate. It's not going to be through another experience that we're going to sit and still want for more and more and more, that it has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, my, my hope is that the Holy Spirit will allow us to own this truth. That contentment doesn't come from what we have, but from whom we have. And that sounds super Sunday school. That sounds super like, of course, Pastor Scott's going to say that. And sometimes I wonder when I say the most like, they sound like the thing you go to Sunday school and Jesus is the answer. That sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, I expect that, but... Let's move on to really what will help me. But maybe this really is the answer. Hebrews 13 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And there's nothing more Sunday school than that, but also maybe nothing more real life than that. Because in real life, it seems when Paul found Jesus, it seems he found a journey to contentment that was not based on things in this world, that it seems like it was really a spiritual thing, and it was the thing that brought him freedom that he was looking for. 
And maybe we shouldn't push aside a cliche thought because maybe it became cliched because of how true it was from people who have experienced in real life. That Paul is able to speak from a deep convicted place because he found something in Jesus that maybe other people never find. And let me tell you, Paul didn't have to go about life this way. Paul was raised and trained in a privileged way. Go read his story and where he came from. He had the potential to have a lot of status in life. He was on the track of being someone in this Jewish religion where people would be looking up to him his whole life. His life as an adult, he tells us, he has money. He has had money. If you don't know his job, uh, Paul uh, was a tent maker, and with that came money. He was fine with money. He tells us there's times when I've had a bunch. But also, you see, he made a choice about what life was really supposed to be about. And even in prison, he didn't. He didn't go back on or wish he didn't make that decision. Even in prison, it seems like he is comfortable with the decision he made because it is a better way to live. And he's begging the church, please live this way. You are missing out on some freedom in life. You're missing out on some hope in life. You're missing out on this life that Jesus has for you because of that hunger inside of you of what you don't have. But here I sit in prison, and I'm completely comfortable with the decisions I've made. And so I'm wondering, how do we fight for that life? How do we fight for a sense of, I'm okay with life contentment. I'm okay where things are, and if nothing else changes, I'm okay with that. I can deal with that. I can live in this. How do we get to that place where it's, I don't wake up in the morning and go, this is terrible, I want this over here. That I don't have not that, that monster inside of us that, that makes us see all the things we don't have. How do we fight for that life? And so I think where that starts just practically, for me, it starts when I, have to, I define healthy expectations in my life. That I need to literally define what are healthy expectations for my life. Let me put it this way. Let's live in reality. Because sometimes we create pictures in our mind. Sometimes people superimpose pictures in our mind and we get hooked to those pictures of what we think life should be. How adaptable are we with the reality of our life? Do you have the ability of saying, this is where I am, this is where God has me, and I'm okay with this? Can we live in the reality of the situation, or is it just there's always something else I expect from life? I told you before something dumb that I do, but that's what I do. I do dumb things and I tell you about it. But um, you know when the lottery gets up to the big amount and um, 
like all of a sudden it's on the news everywhere and recently you know it was recently is a billion dollars right it's just stupid but like i think about like what would it be like to win a billion dollars and i begin to daydream and don't worry in that daydreaming like i'm super generous with it okay but also it's pretty sweet beach house you know what i'm saying like this is a combination like i daydream about this but it's not realistic for me to do this one because i don't buy lottery tickets you can't win if you don't play right like so it's like dumb for me to think about it and two even if i did buy a lottery tickets i'm not winning i think i saw the the, the odds it was one in 302 million people that i could win like i'm not winning and the lottery may be a dumb example of Pastor Scott, what he does, but do you daydream about life that you don't have? Do you ever daydream about a life that is outside of reality? Do you ever fantasize about a life that is going to continue to disappoint you because when you come back to reality, it's not there, and then it creates this bitterness, it creates this anxiety, it creates this hopelessness, it creates this, this maybe anger, and just practically speaking, maybe we need to stop and intentionally think about or even write down what does a realistic life, what are healthy expectations for my life, what should it be versus this daydream that is just not reality. I think the enemy is sometimes in our daydreaming because the life then never messes up, measures up. Two, and the second thing is you've heard all the time, but I gotta say it to you because you know it's right, but we don't do it. So like, second thing is we gotta avoid comparisons, right? We know this, right? We gotta avoid comparisons. Ever watch horse racing? They got these blinders on the side of their, their I don't know anything about horse racing. They got them there, all right? <laughs> Do you know why they have them? Like I read, why do we have them? Let's go, girl. The other horses stress and distract. Now get both of those. It stresses them and distracts them, the other horses, and they never run their race. They never run the race they're supposed to race. They don't run and do things like they're supposed to. And I'll just tell you that we, we, there's a lots of examples of this, but to, we all know this, that we need social media blinders on our face. We need social media blinders on our face. Because social media stresses us out. Social media distracts us from running our race. That I know it does this when you see somebody has something that you don't have. I know this happens when you see they get to go places that you don't get to go. I know you do this when someone looks good in a tank top that you... Oh, did I get too personal? <laughs> if you're new, there's a thing in tank tops with me, whatever. But when someone looks in a way that you don't look, I know this is tough. I don't need you to admit it to me because it wrestles... There are times when people post stuff, and it's like, I wish I had that. I wish I was doing that. But here's the deal. I know people do that about me as well. Like, this is what we do in life. But can I tell you, you are not your neighbor. You are not your friend. Your life is different, and that is okay. 
You know why it's okay? Because let's be honest with ourselves. You may not have the things they have, but you may not have their problems as well. I mean, we got to remember that things are not always as the same. Sometimes they are. But let's be honest, we don't know the backstory. We don't know the debt. We don't know the arguments. We don't know the self-hate. We don't know the unsatisfaction because they've been trying to accumulate or experience their way into contentment and they're still not there. We don't know what their life is. So maybe we should stop wanting their life and stop working on our own. Let's go back to the lottery for a second. I read a story about a man who won $315 million. That's life-changing, man. You keep reading the story. He lost his wife, he lost his daughter. At the end of the story, he said, I wish I'd never won. Sometimes the thing we think will make us the most content are the things that will make us the most miserable. Like, we know this is the reality. You know the people beside you, and you, when they post stuff, and you know they are not doing well in life. We need blinders because it stresses us, and it distracts us from the race that we should be running. Do we trust the provisions that God wants to give us, or we just want what other people want, what other people have? Thirdly, we need to develop Jesus-centered convictions. At the end of the day, what gets to shape your beliefs in life? At the end of the day, I think the biggest problem of people being content or not content is not the things they have or the experiences they have. I think truly at the end of it, we're created by God for things of God, and we don't allow him to shape our minds and our hearts. I think we haven't allowed God to let the truth of Jesus be the primary thing that we are consumed with in life. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that I think sometimes we wear Jesus like he's a pin that is put on our life. We're for Jesus. Jesus is everything. We put it, we post it, we say it, but the reality is my life is, is, is pinned to Jesus but not under the authority of Jesus. That our life isn't really under the rule and, 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 and he is not really the king over our life. And so we, we say we got Jesus but we let everything else shape our minds and our hearts and the convictions that he wants to put in us that will allow us to receive contentment on the other side are never shaped. And so we end up always hungry for more. I think the only reason Paul can say the only thing he can say, what he says, is because he's given God authority. And when he gave God authority, it began to shape how Paul was going to walk through his life. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The crazy thing about this letter and everything we've gone through is he writes it from prison. Paul is sitting in prison but I think he's the most free man in the room. Paul sits in physical chains, but is the most spiritually and, and, and even worldly free person in 
the room because he's not owned by anyone or anything other than Jesus. Can I just, can I just make this clear? Your money, things, desires to be better, whatever it is, they are not wrong in itself. Money in itself, look at it, it's a neutral thing. It's money. It's how our system operates. These things are not bad in themselves. I've said it, and I'll say it again. I don't think we need to feel guilty when God has blessed us with things. Don't be guilty about your house. Don't be guilty about things. It's not, it's not that those things are bad in themselves. It's when you fall in love with them more than Jesus. This is when they become a problem, when, when the hunger for more, this never-ending hunger for different, is what ends up dominating your life. This is when it becomes a problem. When they're not submitted to God to say, God, you can do whatever you want with what you have given me. I'll have an uh, open-handed kind of life, God. You gave it, and it's yours. That is when the problem comes, because he has a life for us that he wants us to live that is better than anything this world has to offer. At the center of it, often we settle for the less. We settle for that monster. We settle for that brokenness to win. And oftentimes, instead of saying, God, thank you, I really think my life is never good enough. And so I sit in my office like an idiot looking at earbuds that I have no business wanting. And God has to speak into my life. Scott, how about you have some integrity while you prepare this message you're going to speak? Because this is the enemy constantly fighting us. We're in a battle that Paul's fighting with us with the church and the Holy Spirit wants to create a different kind of life in us but we have to submit ourselves to us and, and this is a battle but the good news is Paul says this famous verse that often is well, taken out of context like we use this verse for a lot of things but we got this verse Philippians 4.13 remember what he's written remember what he's written this is a letter he's writing to the people so it's, it's not a cherry pick thing it's this is what he's saying. He says, but I can do all this. Other versions, older NIV says, I can do all things. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Here's what I think Paul is saying in this famous line. I can live the life that God has for me no matter what comes because he is going to strengthen me every single step of the way. And Paul wants the church to know there's a way to live where you can sit in prison and still be okay. You don't have to have everything you've ever wanted or daydreamed about and still be okay. This is the life that he wants us to fight for. But every day we wake up. And my question is, what is your first thoughts when you wake up? Is there a satisfaction? Is there a contentment? Jesus, I've got you and I've got the life that you've given me. Can we say that? Or is it, man, I gotta get more today? 
are you tired racing after the next thing versus living in enjoyment of what you already have and then just allowing God to bring what he ever has for your life? Uh, can, can I just be clear about this? I'm not just saying settle and you should never want for anything. Like, like I don't want to go to the extreme of like, well, if you're advancing in life, this is wrong. No, the point is what drives you in life? God may want to get you to a place because he wants to use you and use the resources he gives you to bless other people and to do things. That's totally fine. I'm not talking about even what you have or don't have. Like, I don't really care about that. What drives you in life? Are you content with saying, Jesus, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to play hard. I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to go, and whatever you want to do in my life, I'm good with. I'm content with. And when difficult situations come, I can also be content there because I'm just trusting you with my life. Can we get to that place? Maybe there's someone in the room, maybe there's someone watching, listening online, and it's like, I'm not content in life because, quite frankly, like, I really haven't given my life to Jesus. You may come to church and still not give your life to Jesus. Do you know that can happen? Maybe that's you. And the first move towards contentment is saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I haven't really given you my life. How am I supposed to experience contentment in you if I haven't put my life in you? Maybe that's the first step. Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me for wanting more than just you. And I'm miserable because I'm hungry for things you didn't create me for. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but he's not really shaping your convictions and shaping your desires, and you really don't trust him no matter what comes. And maybe today that's a laying down. I'm content with you, God, and I will have peace because I trust you. I'll have peace because you will provide. I'll have peace that you'll supply all my needs, whatever that is of you, Jesus Christ. And so today, I just want to invite you as we close in worship, can you begin to settle that inside of you? Could you walk out in a little more peace and a little, a little more hopefulness, a little more secure because I'm content with my life? I'm going to keep going and I'm going to do whatever God calls me and I'm content with this because it's all yours, God. As we close in worship, maybe you'll do that. Maybe as we close, there's something else God's been speaking to you, and, and I tell you every week, that's why these altars are open. We just bring things to God, but maybe you need to, because I don't want you to walk out miserable. I want you to walk out knowing I can be content in Jesus, because I can do all this, because he strengthens me. Can we pray? God, there's so much to say about this. But God, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and say, we are missing out on the life you have for us. We can have joy in anything. We can have hope in anything. We can have contentment in all things because you strengthen us and you provide for us. And God, that, that we can be sacrificial, we can be generous, and we can do all the things you've called us to do because we trust you. And God, can I just say thank you for my life. Thank you that you never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that I've never, I've never forgotten. And God, for those times 
when that's not enough, forgive me. Because that's where contentment is found. And that's what you want for your people. So speak to us today as we close in worship. And may you win in our lives today. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.